0: Rock Harbor. See everybody uh, this fine Sunday morning. We're on page 46 in our study guides. (coughs) Talking about the Spirit-empowered church. Praise God. Praise God. I'm glad we're talking about that. We need to. Central truth is that the Holy Spirit empowers the church for effective ministry. Can't be effective without the Holy Spirit. If you're not effective on your own. You know, I think it's going to make that point here in a minute, and I think it definitely goes without saying you're not going to be effective without the Holy Spirit. Now we could get into a lot of different facets of that, and we will this morning. Um, but without the Holy Spirit, there's no effectiveness. And I mean, let's let's even go back to the things that Jesus said when He said, uh, "You know, I've got to leave for Him to be able to come. I've got to go away for Him to come." And then and then the Holy Spirit was was the thing that was being talked about as why the church was going to expand. He said, Jesus said, greater things are you going to do. He wasn't necessarily talking about new things. He was talking about the very thing that he was establishing and then the expansion of it. And so the expansion of the church, if you want to think, you thank the Lord, right? We thank the Lord. We thank you for expanding the church. You thank the Holy Spirit because that's why he came. It's for the expansion of the church, revelation of the truth, Uh Convicting power, if you want to put it that way. That was that was a good way to receive group conviction. It was actually wasn't possible until the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. Group conviction was not possible. And now we can be all convicted together. <laughs> we can all realize our faults at the same time. <laughs> it's great, actually. I mean, if you think about it from a fundamental point of view, from a spiritual fundamental point of view, there was no group conviction Uh, until that time, and now we have the opportunity to be convicted one of the greatest gifts, one of the, not the, one of the greatest gifts that we ever received is the ability to be convicted.
1: Amen.
0: Thank you, Jesus, that we have uh, the ability to be convicted and to know what our faults and our wrongs are and to be able to be obedient and follow it. We really couldn't ask for anything more. That's fantastic. Uh, Under Let's Get Started, it says, The only way for the church to be effective is to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Anything Christians do in their own effort alone results in just another organization. Ow, that kind of hurts. But it's true. Even if a church is doing good things, such as serving the poor, meeting medical needs, or uh, providing education, a church that does not listen to the Holy Spirit is missing the purpose God has for it. Let's take some group of people within that church to recognize that there is a will of God and that they want to know what that will is. It's like, God, what is your will for us as your people? What what is it? That question by itself sparks a large conversation because there's a lot of people today that have a lot of ideas. They think, well, you know, we should do it this way or we should do it that way. You know, we're going to—I um, think we should do it a very particular way or we should do it a particular way the other way, and then there's arguments and all kinds of stuff. But the, the reason I'm saying this is because— Whatever happened to the church being led by the Holy Spirit? Whatever happened to a a group of people maybe in disagreement coming together and joining of hands and saying, you know what, let's put our disagreements aside and let's just find out what God wants to do. Some would say, well, you probably aren't never going to find it anyway. I believe if people come together and they can put their differences aside, and I believe if they sincerely pray and ask God for guidance, he will show you what it is that he wants to do. Now, there's a lot of things that you got to put aside. You've got your own personal will, number one. you got to put your own personal will to the side uh, when it comes down to what do we need to do, not only organizationally, but what's the organization itself made up of? People. And so, think about it like this. Think about it like this. How is the church going to f- figure out what God's will is for it as a group if we as individuals can't find out what God's will is for ourselves individually? If, 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 that, if we can't get off on the right foot and seek God and know what God's will is for our own personal lives, how in the world do we expect it to work when we come together? It actually, I mean, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> you really kind of already have to have that part hashed out. So I think that's a very powerful thing. Um, okay, G- Jesus had promised his disciples that in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Following his instructions, they waited in Jerusalem. God did not disappoint. He launched the church into a new and productive mission, a mission we are privileged to continue today. As we continue to move through this unit, we will see many examples of the church in action. We are people of worship, service, faithfulness, holiness, love. The list of descriptors goes on and on. It does go on and on, but it's good for you to know what those descriptors are because that's a part of your identification. It's a part of the things that we identify with, not just a part of it. Not just a piece of it, not just adopting one thing and then and then putting the others to the side. I would say, if, you mm-hmm. know, I, I've been, you know, open to you as a congregation about some of the things that God has been dealing with me about, and I want to. I would say, <clears throat> maybe in a little bit different of a way here, but the but the the concept is still the same. God has been dealing with me about the whole package, not just a couple things, and been showing me as an individual, that there are things that you have forgotten. You're wanting to be okay with these things, but there's a couple other things here that you are forgetting. And I need to bring those up to you. Church, they has been really hard to look at. It's been really hard. There's been some kind of difficult run for the last couple months, seeing some things that I thought were, you know, know, it's okay, it's fine. And God says, no, this is what my word says. Now, why are you going to act like that doesn't exist? It's there. You got to receive it. It's like mm. it's been hard, but it's been good. It's been very good. But none of these things happen because of our own strength. The church can only accomplish its purpose through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. In this lesson we will explore what it means to operate in this power. <clears throat> As we get into our scriptures before we get into that, I want to say something that I've noticed over the years and When we talk about the Holy Spirit, I think it has to be said. Because when we talk about a Spirit-empowered church, obviously, if you're in the Pentecostal realm, which you are, you're in a Pentecostal, we're not Baptist, we're Pentecostal. We believe in the full working power of the Holy Spirit. I don't mean that disrespectfully, I'm saying that openly. I'm just saying, that's who we are. We We believe in Acts, the book of Acts. We believe in the early church. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in gifts of the Spirit. All of those things, Coming from the confirmation of being filled by the Spirit with the speaking of tongues. Now, the moment you say that, a lot of people get uncomfortable. It's like, eh, I don't know if I really want to talk about that. I don't really know if I want to get into all that. The one thing that I have noticed, and I've been I've been saved since I was sixteen, what I would say authentically saved, the save that sticks <laughs> since I was sixteen. And I went to church of God for a long time. I've seen a lot of things. And but come here. I've seen a lot of things over the years. And the one thing that I have noticed is a common denominator. It's the moment people start talking about receiving the Holy Spirit and wanting to receive the Holy Spirit to the filling and the indwelling of the Spirit to the confirmation of tongues, a spirit of fear descends. Spirit of fear. It's not from God, it's a spirit of fear that the enemy uses when I was seeking the, the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in my life to the confirmation of speaking in tongues, some of the most awful nightmares I had ever you could ever imagine. My daughter, same exact thing. Now, those are just two examples. I've talked to other individuals that said, man, I started praying for the Holy Spirit, and I started getting attacked. My question to you is this, is that if the Holy Spirit is not for everybody, and if the Holy Spirit is is not effective and if the holy spirit is not present today then why do some of the most rigorous attacks come when we seek that indwelling come on why why is that such a major problem i've seen the devil fight less on people getting saved Amen. true story i've seen him fight less on getting saved they'll fight an individual fine go get saved the moment they start seeking the indwelling of the holy spirit attack Full out. Can't get no sleep at night. Uh, People coming against them in their lives are like, what is going on? Amen. There's something there. (laughs) There's something there. Might want to pay attention to that. Because I believe, not only do I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. um, With confirmation of speaking in tongues. And uh, over the years, over the years, I have referred to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit as something that is being lost it's being lost and the reason that this is such an important thing to say is because there have been times in history when the Holy Spirit was lost it wasn't an important issue to the church Uh, we spoke last uh, last week about the dark ages and that big span of time of about a thousand years with the the, the works that you've seen in Acts there was no record of those things taking place anymore where did it go what happened now he preserved himself you see that's what I'm afraid of today and I mean that in a respectful sense is that I'm afraid that the the church is going to let it go and then the next generation is going to pick it up and just accept it as norm that we don't accept the Holy Spirit and then before you know it you got a lot of people not believing in that working power anymore it does change generation to generation you do understand that right church just because you believe it, if you're not teaching your kids that, if you're not telling them they can have it, then it can get lost. It can definitely get lost. Okay. I've said my piece. Let's go to page 47. Let's read our scriptures. Haley, please. thank
2: you. Luke 24, 49. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Acts 2, 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then, what looked like flames or tons of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone was, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Six two. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said. We apostles should spend our time teaching the Word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the Word. 1 Timothy 3.13 Those who do well as deacons will be rewarded with respect from others and will have increased confidence in their faith in Christ Jesus. Acts 8.5 Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. 13.2 One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. 2 Timothy 4.5 But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good, that good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Amen.
0: Powerful scriptures that we have this morning to look at. Part 1, Being Filled with the Spirit, Luke 24, 46 picks up the story when Jesus appeared to his disciples after the resurrection. He reminded them the prophets had foretold his mission. It was written long ago that the Messiah would die and rise from the dead. Other prophecies would come to pass as the gospel was preached to all nations. Salvation is only possible through the authority of the name of Jesus. The apostles would play a central role since they were witnesses of his life, death, and resurrection. But the mission could not happen through human effort alone. Effective preaching must be accompanied accompanied by power from heaven, which is, is kind of, well, think about preaching. It's like, well, you could, dis, you could uh, disassociate yourself from that by simply saying, but I'm not a preacher. Well, that's not exactly what we're referring to this morning. We're referring to the spreading of the gospel, preaching, uh, within your territory. And so whatever that is, and however you do that, and is it from a platform? Probably not. But even if you're face-to-face with somebody, that's the platform. And so in order to for that to be effective, you have to be led by the Holy Spirit. Let me ask a question here. So tell me I'm not the only one that's been talking to somebody, and they'll say something, and the Spirit chimes you. It's like it hits you, and he's like, right there, you hear it? He's ready. Bring it up. She's ready. Bring it up. And then you bring it up and it's uncomfortable and it's kind of awkward and you're kind of afraid. You don't know what's going to happen. And then you say it and they are and they respond well to it. You're like, Whew, that went really well. But sometimes we don't remember how it worked out really well. It worked out really well because you were obedient to the Holy Spirit beckoning you saying, now. Now. That's the Holy Spirit. That's what his job is. His job knows. He knows when their heart's ready. He knows when they're ripe. And so it's effective. It's very effective when we're listening to him, and he's with us, right? So it's not only us, but it's also them, so it's a two-way street. He's dealing with us to talk to them, but what we don't realize is that he's been dealing with them to receive what we're about to say. Now, that's powerful. That's that's powerful. But that's why we need the Holy Spirit. So when we talk about this, you know, the being filled with the Spirit and the, the guiding and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, yes we are talking about speaking in tongues and we can get to that at a different time but that's not just that's not the only thing and so when you what well, we said in the beginning if you're going to take the whole package of the holy spirit you have to take the whole thing
3: amen
0: so you you know some people are more partial to the the ministry side of it and i say that's fine you can be partial to the ministry side of it you can talk about the way the holy spirit moved and worked in things but you got to speak the t- you got to accept the tongues part of it too and if you're a tongue talker and that's your thing, and that's the only thing you focus on, then I'll also encourage you that that's not the only thing the Holy Spirit does. No, it's not. He does a great many of other things, too. And so this is this comes down to the thing that God has been challenging me with. He's like, stop looking at it through tunnel vision and understand that I'm working in a lot of different ways here, and I'm asking you to accept all of them. Yeah. Take them all.
1: That could be considered... A- Right, yeah, and many people take that as all inclusive, that's all it's about. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where things get out of control. Yeah, there's an order to be kept as well. Sure, I'm sure you'll get into that. I don't want to dig to this uh, in all aspects of all spiritual gifts. There's mm-hmm. order, the Bible speaks of order. Yeah, uh, but without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, uh, whether you're a minister or a church or whatever, then you really Fulfill the purpose of God, really. Right. Uh, I guess we could say
0: they did without the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we know too, I mean, Paul even dealt with it then. I mean, there's always people that are doing things that are out that were out of order. Paul was speaking to the churches to try to get them back in order. People were, were speaking in tongues and doing things with the gifts that they shouldn't have been doing, and it was damaging people. It was damaging the church. Yeah. And so, yeah, go ahead. Even go ahead. when the word's being preached, the
1: sermon's being delivered. Yeah. I've had people stand up and interfere. Wait a minute. That's out of order. Right. You
0: don't do that. That's
1: right. Uh, and it's just, it's easy to get things misconstrued. And, <laughs> and uh, we can talk about that all day, but. Um, yeah. Order is key.
0: Or yeah, or, order is absolutely key. And I'm glad that you said that. Um, and for any of you that are wondering, you say, you know, and I'm going to hit this real quick and then we're going to move. If you're wondering why that would be out of order, the anointing is only going to rest on one place and in one direction as to not cause confusion. So as the pastor leads the service, we've been in services before. Where as the pastor is leading, someone stands up, and said, "Well, I got a message." It's like, well, no, no, hold on, hold on." If the pastor is moving in a direction, he's preaching the word. The anointing's here. If you got a message, hold it and wait Amen. for that time. Because if you truly got a message, then you can hold it and wait. Man, people have disagreed with me with that for years, and I'm telling you something. That's not the case. You're not. You're not. You're not an autonomous being in the spirit realm, where you get to usurp every authority and say, well, God told me to do it, so I'm doing it. It's like, whoa, hold on a second now. Fireball, you're going to get yourself in a bind. I appreciate the zeal, but it needs to be put in the right direction. And that's what Paul was trying to do. Were they zealous? Yeah, they were zealous. But it was like, look, let's take your zeal, let's let's get it under control, and let's push it in a direction so it's effective. So anyway, Yeah. Mm-hmm. all right, day of Pentecost, one of the three major Jewish feasts, uh, was seven weeks after Passover. The word Pentecost comes from the Greek word for 50, for the 50 days between Passover and Pentecost. Celebrating the beginning of the harvest, it is also called the Feast of Firstfruits, a portion of which would be presented to God. The believers gathered were all with one accord in one place, Acts 2 and 1, emphasizing their unity. And that's always been something that the church has looked at as a theme. As you know, I'm, I'm big on themes, and I'm big on things that I believe that established themselves for a lifetime this is one of the things in the early church because this was this was the early church look at what was said is it is it always exactly no because we're looking at two different cultures but we can look at certain aspects of this and this is one of those things that we can see that there was a thread and a theme that was woven into the church at this point at the very beginning that was to be established for the lifetime of the church unification one accord Gathering together. Gathering together in a place. In one accord. I have referred to this before. If you don't believe me, you can look back at some of the old teachings from back in the 1700s and 1800s. It's called group faith. And it works when you're together. (laughs) That's just the way it works. It's called group faith. Now, can God still answer prayer over the airways and being away and things of that nature? Well, sure. God can answer prayer in that way. But the effectiveness is when we're together. Never can dismiss group faith. You just can't. Oh man, you don't have a good enough argument to dismiss group faith. Now you may, as I've said in the past, you may you may have issues with being in large groups or you may have issues with dealing with people. You may have issues, but see, the issues is on you. I've had to grow out of that since I was a kid. Since I was a kid, I was... Um, so I, I liked being alone and being just, yeah, you just, you know, I don't want to talk and just let me be by myself. And as I got closer to God, God's like, hey, I got something special for you. Why don't you step on out? Come on out here. And I'm like, I don't really, you know, it's, I don't really like doing that. I don't really like the group thing. Oh, yeah, we're all about group here. Come on, son. Come on. <laughs> we're all we're all about being together here. It's, it's okay. I'll help you with it. I'm telling you this because... When we look at these things and we look about group faith and group gatherings and being together, a lot of times when we have a disagreement with it, it's not because there's actual biblical evidence to disagree with it. It's that you have infused your personality into it, and then drew a decision from that. Now, if if I believe me, if you if I let my personality decide, I could promise you I wouldn't be standing in front of you this morning. <laughs> That's some scary stuff? And that's not really what I'm all about, but as I got to God, close to God, God said, if that's what I'm about, then that's what you're about. And I learned what family was about. I learned that that's how that works. And you don't always get to do what you want to do. You do what you need to do. Go ahead.
2: Um, I always feel like the Holy Spirit just wants to put you in that, it gets you into that zone where you're most vulnerable the the end. Yeah. And you're like, I'm not, I'm gonna, I can't do this, and um, but
0: he pushes you through. Yes. And he gives you strength to do it. And he never allows you to become I too comfortable. Yeah, <laughs> so like, absolutely. And he, d- he doesn't allow you to get comfortable. Mm-mm. He's going he's gonna to call you out. He's going to put okay. you in an uncomfortable situation. That's one of the mistakes that it the... Power. the power. It does. It does mean the power. And I think that's where the church is, is, is grown complacent is that we've gotten to the place where we only allow the Holy Spirit to deal with this when we're comfortable with it. And then we'll let him do it. And if you notice, that's getting even phased out. Amen. So, I'm just saying.
4: Well, I'm glad you said that about uh, about the, and uh, well, I'll just go ahead and tell you what it Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, There's a young man preaching over at the other church. Over there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> there was a message started going out, and he told him, hold it. Ah, oh, yeah. He said, the, the Holy Ghost don't interrupt yourself.
0: That's right
4: right now he was in the holy ghost right <laughs> he was up there preaching the word mm-hmm. it happened again he said do it right after hold it But hold it.
0: that's proper that's good i'm glad you and said i that. didn't know that
4: until that day mm-hmm. and i thought about that and that had been going on in the pentecostal church uh quite a few times in my life because mm-hmm. i was there when I was a kid, going up till I was about 16, 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And
0: uh, yeah, it was a some person.
4: Of the... A person really needs to be taught.
0: Yeah. Well, it was some of the things of the of the early Pentecostal church that was very prevalent. That as it got passed on, it, it didn't take well. It, yeah. it didn't take well at all. Um, but I'm glad you said that. Um, Acts two, two to three records clear, dramatic symbols of the Spirit and the very presence of God, as we see it manifested in the Old Testament. In both Greek and Hebrew the word for wind is also used for the spirit. Jews often use the word heaven in reference to God to avoid saying God. The wind or spirit filling the place came from God. So so we know the Holy Spirit is, is God, right? It's God. It's Trinity. Remember, we don't no, we don't think of the Trinity as vertical. Not you know God at the top, Jesus is somewhere in the middle and the Holy Spirit's like the last person on the totem pole. It's left to left to right, right? Jesus is at the Father's, okay, all right, it's from left to right. So you guys got to understand that because a lot of people think about that and they think about the Spirit being on this this low. He's not. It's, it's God. It's Him. It's His presence. And so He sends Himself. And I think this is one of the reasons that the church doesn't really give it a lot of clout is because of that vertical perspective. And they don't really see the Holy Spirit as being God. The same way that Jesus was God. They don't look at it that way. And so the moment, if you don't, and I said this last week, you remember I said it, if you don't understand the Trinity, if you do not understand the tr- Trinity properly, it, it makes it really difficult to understand anything else. I it makes it really up. difficult to understand the gifts of the Spirit. You have to understand the Trinity properly. If you understand the Trinity properly, everything else falls into place. Okay. What looked like flames settled on each person. Fire symbolized God's judgment and refining work. In 1 Kings 18, 36-39, it showed God's presence and his endorsement of Elijah. Here, the fire (laughs) shows God's approval of Jesus' followers as his witnesses. Every believer there was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. This ability to speak in other languages was a sign to the Amen. people that were there, because remember we had people gathered. This is this is the day of Pentecost, so we got a lot of. Uh, and I'm going to frame it like this, so you, it's easier to understand. We had a lot of out of towners in the area. We had a lot of out of towners. We had a lot of people that had a lot of different dialect and a lot of different languages from out, and they had all come in for the festival. They were all doing the the the, the typical um, feast. And the the, prog- the, I say the, um, the ritual and the ceremony that went with it. At least 87. Well, 87, 87, 87 at languages, right. 87 yeah. <clears throat> and so you can, you can imagine when everyone starts speaking in these diverse languages that this is kind of blowing everybody away. Now, I, and I don't have time to really get into the scriptural base of that because we need to keep moving. We refer to that now in the gifts of the Spirit as the diverse kinds of tongues. Now, is it always a language in the gift of diverse kinds of tongues? I'm not trying to give you a lesson on spiritual gifts. I'm just telling you that that would be diverse kinds of tongues. This is how we would recognize it in today. And so, is it always in a language that we understand? No. Sometimes it's in a language we do not even understand, that we've never even heard of before. But we know here, when we see this, that the reason that the Holy Spirit gave them the ability and to have an utterance in the unknown languages was to confirm to everybody there's no way this could be possible without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's basically, this is his, this is his intro. You know, hey, you have intro, uh, intro, people do intros when they come out for fights and intros when they come out to different things. This is the Holy Spirit's intro. I'm here. Everybody's speaking in a language they had never, that they knew they did not know. There's no way you could know my language. I can hear you speaking in it, though. Holy Spirit's like, I'm here. This is what I do. That's the way it's to be taken, and quite literally. All right, so the supernatural speech would be a sign to the crowds of Jews gathered from throughout the ancient world. Hearing these people praising God in their native tongue would prove God was doing something special. The gospel would, uh, would be preached to all people. Okay, let's move to section two. <clears throat> empowered to serve God's people. Every local church has needy people among the congregation. The early church provides a good example of serving the needs of our church family. Don't Just keep in mind, too, we're not switching gears so far. We're not out of context here. Remember, when we talk about being empowered, empowered <laughs> by who? <laughs> Holy Spirit. Keep that, keep that in mind. Keep that in heart. We're talking about empowerment of the Holy Spirit, but now we're moving to another facet and another service of the Holy Spirit which is to provide for needs of the people around us and for the church family. Okay. The early church provides a good example of serving the needs of our church family. The amazing growth of the early church brought certain problems, as growth always does. As growth always does. Once again, that's a theme. That's a theme. It's like, well, people have this perspective, I think, about the church, that the church should just be flat perfect. You guys ought to have your stuff together. It's run by imperfect people. We God has given us this. To he's you could liken it to he's he's the master who went away, gave us the church. He said, "Be responsible for it." We're not perfect people, are we? Now, the head of the church, which is Jesus, he's perfect and was perfect. But as we have taken over, as people, man takes over positions and takes over things. We're an imperfect people. The church is not perfect. I'm saying Rock Harbor is not perfect. We all make mistakes. Sometimes the church is being held to unrealistic perspectives and unrealistic expectations as to how the church should operate. We're just human, prone to make mistakes, prone to trip and fall sometimes, prone to not be everything that we need to be, but we're trying to be. And when you grow and there's growth, there's going to be issues and things that have to be hashed out and worked. There always is. It's the way it's always been.
1: Well, biblically, there's always instruction along with teaching people how to operate in the spirit. Yeah. It's not a free Yeah, I can't be. I, I, and there's it, it, some people have a hard time adapting to that. Some mm-hmm. will resist it, some will fly out on it. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, we've had we've had some fly. You know I'm gonna
1: clarify one thing real quick. time tongue, tongue, tongue talk about time. Sure. It's simply supernatural ability to speak in other languages. That's what time Sure. God granted the mm-hmm. Uh again yes, right? uh <coughs> mm-hmm. It does. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all, but I'd rather speak in a language that people can understand me when I'm ministering. That's right. And, uh, it's a great prayer language. Yes. It's a great praise
0: language. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, other... No, I, and I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out. Paul did a really good job of setting a, a really a pace there for the church mm-hmm. to understand. It's like, you guys are going crazy with the tongues, and I'm telling you, I speak in tongues more than all of you, mm-hmm. but I do it in a proper and a controlled manner. Mm-hmm. It's not meant to strike fear. But anything, anytime. Well, I mean, look at look at look at our world today. You take let's just take guns. Guns are it's been the centerpiece of America for a long time. And then they they tell us, "Hey, well, we we're going to take away your guns." Well, I mean, guns are very effective, very effective taking care of your family, very effective in in doing what they're to do. But you give it to somebody that doesn't know what they're doing, and it ruins the the, the pot for the whole bunch. The Holy Spirit is much the same way. You can create some damage. You really can. Man, we need to do teaching on that, Pastor. That's good. <laughs> I think we've got some interest there. <laughs> Tension developed between Greek-speaking and Hebrew-speaking believers. The Greek speakers were Jews from nations outside the Holy Land. Evidently, the early church had developed a food distribution program to help the widows among them. This conversation that uh, Haven and I actually had yesterday. I told her, I said, this is crazy. They're talking about the widows. And it was a conversation that you and I had. Now, I want to read that again, and I'm going to to make a point. It says, Evidently, the early church had developed a food distribution program to help the widows from among them. Mm -hmm. And if you will read into, now this is pointing out Acts, but if you read in Timothy, you'll realize that the widows, let me ask this, did you know that the widows actually had to be qualified to be helped? Mm -hmm. You can read in Timothy, I think it's chapter Mm 5. That the the widows had to be qualified, had to be of age of 60. Had to have raised their children correctly. Had to have been supportive of the church. Like, Whoa, whoa, hold on a second. What are you trying to say? What I'm saying is, is that for some reason today, people think of the church as a vending machine. And you're ostracized and hated if the church doesn't write a check every time somebody asks for one and every time somebody puts their hand out, they say, well, the church needs to be helping. Are we just going to let everybody run over us and take everything we got? I'll give you an example. How many remember the autonomous zone in Seattle a couple years ago? <laughs> the autonomous zone. It, show of hands if you remember the autonomous zone in Seattle. Okay, nobody, okay, let me explain to you what the autonomous zone was. It was this massive group that autonomous, meaning autonomy, self-government. They had made a zone and blocked it off in Seattle. And it was a massive area of multiple blocks where people had no government. They had taken over the streets, barred it off. No cops were allowed. The play, it was a mess. And I know with media today, it was probably hard to understand exactly what was going on. And they dubbed it the autonomous zone. And it was where people could do whatever they wanted, be whoever they wanted, operate in any way they, they wanted to. And so there were big donations given to the autonomous zone by wealthy people. And they had all of this, this stuff. Well, do you know what brought them down? People had come in and started thieving and stealing all this, their resources. And before they knew it, they were out of food and starving to death. And it was, it was funny. It's funny, and, and and I'll tell you why it was funny. It's because people think that you can be a part of something and let everybody do whatever they want, and everything's always going to be okay. There are always qualifications and standards and things that have to be met and followed, and if you don't, you'll find yourself in the autonomous zone. You'll find your play in a place where there is no government, where there's no regulations. And, and see, that's what, and I'm saying this because people, it's like people view the church that way today. Let us come in and let us run over you. Let us take your positions. Let us take your money. And you have to do it because you're supposed to be nice people. They didn't even do that back then. Even the widows had to have qualifications to be helped. And if you didn't meet the qualifications, you didn't get help. They even told the younger widows, they said, (laughs) y'all will get married again. You can help yourselves. If you don't believe me, you can go read it. That's a far cry from the way people view the church today. People step up and want want the church to give help, and and if the church isn't, isn't divvying out and meeting every need of the community in town, well, they're a bad church. I'm here to tell you, church, you might want to read up on this stuff. Some of the things that we've adopted from Acts and, and, and from Timothy, we've adopted and they're in play in this church right now because it was a good guideline, a really good guideline.
1: Well, it's a good
0: means to pass the buck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And family,
1: and biblically,
0: family is first in order. I was going to, to, to say that. I'm glad you said that. That's but it. Sometimes that's the very ones that want to cast
1: the court to someone because so they don't <laughs> give anything what they got. Yeah. So you, what you're saying here
0: applies a lot of other things. Apply well, the pastor said it right there, and that was actually another one of the qualifications. They would actually look at the family and say, Are you, can? you need to come over here and do your job? Mm-hmm. Come, and, come and help the widows. Y'all got family? Help them. That's what the church would do. It'd call them out. Get up here and help. What are you doing? <sighs> Doesn't work that way today. A lot of people just want the church just to give handouts. Go ahead, Duane. I'm sorry.
3: That's okay. We, people look at us as being church people the same way. Mm-hmm. Out there. Mm-hmm. Because everybody knows I adopted Kyler. But he's my nephew. Well, my niece, she's still doing drugs. She says she's in rehab in California. But she was telling her mother, because I won't let her see Kyler. Mm-hmm. And I told her, you have to be clean for a year. That's all I'm asking. Mm-hmm. clean for a year, you can see it. Right. Well, she says, well, they're Christian people. They should do what God says and let me see <laughs> Just because I'm Christian doesn't mean I want that drugs in my
0: house. Well, that example right there, too, Luana, I mean, that's, you take it, and it may, it's not that exact situation, but that's the way people view, and that's the danger of, of the church becoming just a, a vending machine and just letting everybody have whatever they want. Uh, it turns into an autonomous zone with no government. And I tell you, church, this church wouldn't be here if we allowed it. We wouldn't exist. We'd be out of money and there wouldn't be nothing to keep the doors open and and the whole thing would cave on itself under the autonomous zone. (laughs) Go ahead.
3: Well, you know, all over Facebook when people are talking about, well, do you know anywhere that can pay my electric bill? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, go to this church, and then go to that church, and mm-hmm. then go to this church, and they'll pay it, and they'll pay your water bill, and then they'll pay your gas
0: bill,
3: mm-hmm. and get a
0: job. Yeah. Get a job. My first question is, where's your family at? Where's your family? Let's talk right. to your family. Let's talk to your family. Who's, who, who do you know? Well, we don't get along well. It's like, look, man, I understand. We'll help you anyway. And let me, let, let me just say this. Let me make this clear. I am not advocating that the church not help people. That's not what I'm advocating for. We've helped people numerous times and in numerous tight spots. I'm saying it because there has to be boundaries. There has to be. Amen. And if there's not boundaries, church, then we're then, then we're done. Amen. We're done. There's gotta be. Where,
3: where do you get even with family having boundaries? Like you help and you help, you try to lift them
0: up yeah. to to set them. Yeah. Within the family.
3: Yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: When when can you just say, okay, that's enough. I've I've helped
0: you. And, and, and obviously that's something that has to be worked out. I mean, that's something that you guys have to decide when you're dealing with family. You know how long you've dealt with it. You know the situation more deeply than even maybe the church does. And so it has to be a decision that that, that what is and when is the best time to say, okay, look, you, you can't milk off me anymore. This, I mean, I, we've, we've seen it numerous times. That the longer that goes, the more enabled they become and the more of the tax and effects that is on the family that's actually healthy. That can take a healthy family and turn them unhealthy real fast. Yes. And so that has to be gauged. And I'm, I can't I can't give you a guideline. I can't tell you exactly what that is because every family is different. Every family's got a different dynamic. And so you guys have to pray about that. You have to know. And, and I'm glad that you brought that up because a lot of times what happens in that situation is it's like, well, I'm done with it. Now the church needs to take care of it, and so it's 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 a, a got to be finely tuned, and finely balanced, and, and definitely prayed about. Does that does that help?
1: Yeah. Prayer.
0: Yeah, I know. There's not a, it's not a solid answer there, and I apologize. There's really not.
1: Prayer and Holy Spirit. Inspiration. Yeah, absolutely. But in the midst of love, there's a thing called tough love. Absolutely. Yeah, right. And many people will not administer that because they don't know how to say no. Yep. Sometimes no is the best answer you can give a person. Yep. I've dealt with a lot of people that had to get to the bottom of their bucket before they'd ever listen to anybody. Yes. Once they did, it's amazing. They start to realize. Yeah. Again, it's just the education. Yeah. Case. Well,
0: I don't want to go too far away, but these are good, healthy topics that we need to discuss. And and I'm glad that you asked that question because I think it does need to be asked. Because I don't. I think that there are numerous families that struggle with the uh, with an outside source that's depleting the resources and depleting uh, time and depleting all these things and uh, there has to be a cutoff at some point otherwise it takes the healthy and turns it unhealthy so Man. yeah go ahead a time in my life
4: when I was down and out and I, I didn't have a job and didn't have enough money to buy gas to look for one right. and <laughs> I didn't even know nothing about it but the, the
3: uh,
4: one day the a big uh, station wagon pulled up, and they started about the back door and started unloading. Now I know it must have been a couple hundred dollars worth of groceries. hmm And uh, then the man come up and give me fifteen dollars to buy a gas with. He didn't know it, but that's what I booked them. Right. So give me fifteen dollars. They didn't tell me what charts they was from. Right. They didn't want me to come to church with them. They just wanted well. It would have been nice. Let's just meet the need. But God need. will handle that part. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's good. So I, I didn't have to tell me
0: Right. that from God. I already knew it. Right. That's <laughs> good. Okay, let's keep moving. It says, The Greek-speaking Jews complained their widows were being overlooked. Already, native uh, Jews tended to avoid anything linked to the Gentiles. The language division probably intensified these divisions, threatening the unity of the body. What was, what was going on is, and you have to understand the history behind this, After the day of Pentecost took place, a lot of people that were just there for the festival now made this place their home. And this changed the whole dynamic of the economy, um, how things were going to be taken care of. That's why the early church had to set up something that was going to take care of all these, because they said, they said, hey, our widows are being overlooked. What's the deal here? And because they were, you could say they were they were out of place. We had Our population had changed. You look at the history behind it. It's very interesting. Uh, the apostles called a meeting of the church to address the issue. They recognized the need to care for widows fairly, but they needed to spend their time praying and teaching God's word. So they asked the congregation to select seven spirit-filled men to administer the food program. We pointed this out in messages before. Who were they looking for? Spirit-filled seven spirit-filled men. That's who they were looking for. They said, "We need some, we need some spirit-filled individuals here." That was the qualifier at that point in time.
1: Why in the world? Isn't
0: it? Yeah. Why is that necessary? Well, let's weigh in on it. Somebody tell me why that was necessary. Oh, and our, and, to mm, oh, yes. And it's so, obvious here. You don't go grab a bunch of guys and throw them out there and yeah. take care of
1: with that don't have the spirit of God in them. right and wisdom and knowledge and understanding.
0: And as pastors, is he saying he's talking about wisdom here? See what's. Were we talking about tongues here? No. We weren't talking about tongues here. That wasn't the topic. As Pastor said, this was about wisdom. This is about being people being able to make a decision based on the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit.
3: Discern.
0: Yeah, yeah you had to be able to discern. You can't do it without him. It can't be done.
1: He's our greater resistance of temptation. I mean, it's right in the middle of it. He does a lot of things.
0: Yeah, put things where they belong. Following the Apostles' guidelines, they chose seven administrators and commissioned them in prayer. One of these men, Stephen, is described as a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. The early Christians valued the Spirit's involvement in every aspect of ministry. They wanted the Holy Spirit there. They realized that they understood Jesus said he was going away. He was going to send the Holy Spirit. We see what the Spirit does now. We want the Holy Spirit involved. Now that's that in the most simple form. That right there is exactly what the church has to come back to. is asking for the Holy Spirit to be involved in every aspect of the service. Every aspect of what we do. Every aspect of what our identity is as a church. Because do you believe that we're more than a service? Now think about what I just asked there. Think about that. Are we more than a service? We are. So there are other facets to what we do. There are other things going on than just a a one-hour session here. There's more than that going on. Not just preaching and teaching. Oh, there it is. But I thought that's what all church was. It's not. It's not the only thing. After that meeting, the word of God spread and the number of believers increased rapidly. The word for deacon comes from the Greek word for servant. Deacons operate in a position of servant leadership within a church. (coughs) Wait a second. Did you say servant? Did the listen just tell me servant? Mm -hmm. You didn't say That was a position for someone to have authority, tell you what to do, take control.
1: That's the constraint today since you're on that. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, that's what that's what I'm getting to. Is the idea of the current church today is that deacons are in a high-ranking position in that they get to tell other people what needs to be done. Let's come back to the original definition of what a deacon is. They are a servant. They serve. They go where they need to be, and, and if you notice at any time that we're talking about places of of um, priority in the church, servitude is right smack dab in the middle of all in middle of all those positions. It's being able to serve. Now, while I say that, that's not necessarily the length of years that you've been attached to a church. Some people put so much clout in that. Well, I've been serving. I've been in that church for thirty years good for you good job thanks for showing up for 30 years you didn't do it for me anyway did you (laughs) I'm just asking you didn't do it for me but yet you see you see it as something necessary to tell me well I've been doing this for 30 years man I don't look I ain't trying to be disrespectful man I don't care I'm here to work we got to work we got things to do we got things to get done now Working here for 30 years, and that's different. I'm not trying, I'm not trying to dive in your bag. I'm just saying that these are some stereotypes of Christianity that have been mistaken over the years, and people have got these things twisted. It's not the way a healthy church is supposed to look. And so deacons, deacons were servants. They were servants, yes, were they leaders, but they led by their servitude. Do you understand? They led by the servitude. That's how you lead. You don't need domineering. It's not what. The, that's not the point of it. It's not, I'm going to tell you what to do. That's what we're, we're messed up today is people think that leadership is being able to tell other people what to do. Look, if you think that's cool, I'm telling you, I've been there before. I've been there numerous times. It's not cool. It's not. I, I was over 20, 20 plus people on the plant line and they thought, man, Tanner, that's fantastic. You know, look at this and look how young you are. I'm telling you, it wasn't cool. It was the hardest five years of my life. And people, for some reason, people think that getting in a place where they can tell others what to do is what they're striving for. I'm telling you, it's not what you think it is. (laughs) And the moment you get there and people start casting their flack on you and start talking and start gossiping behind your back and start tearing you up just because of the position you hold, you're like, I didn't even do anything. Well, it comes with a position. And so servitude, being a servant, deacons operate in a position of servant leadership within a church Often in meeting the congregation's tangible needs. What does that mean? Someone tell me what that means. What is tan- What is a tangible need of the church? Well, tangible
2: you're able to touch and see. So, like, I'm thinking of them, like, opening the door, greeting people as they come okay. in, like, making you feel welcome. Okay. It's something you can see and feel. Cleaning the church.
0: Cleaning the church. Vacuum. Oh. <laughs> Picking up stuff outside. Mowing the lawn. Tangible. I said tangibility tangibility those are positions you know those are positions it's a position of servitude it's a place where you get in and it's like well we got to get some stuff done who's going to do it we are Mm -hmm. we're going to do it now is it always possible to do it that way no not always we're not talking about that though i'm talking about serving being in a place of tangibility where we're in there and we're working and we're doing what needs to be done to make the thing go forward um Their role is first observed in Acts 6. Paul's instructions on the role of deacons in 1 Timothy 3, 8-13 points out that their lives are to be characterized by the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. This is who we're talking about. The deacons. Okay, now just bear with me. Characterized by the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. Note how the qualifications for deacons resemble the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. So, we have some um, we have some things here that draw a straight line over here to the, uh, to the fruits of the Spirit and that the deacons should, and in order for them to be properly qualified, should be resembling these things. They should. Forget how long you've been there. If you're not resembling these things, you weren't qualified. And that was the way it was set up. It's like, why? Why, do, why, why doesn't it matter how long I've been there? Because that doesn't make a difference. And we've, gotten, we've, we've become lazy-minded if we think that it, that's the thing. We've become lazy-minded. You have to actually support the church with the oracles that we teach. And when we act on those and we become more like the Word of God and more like Christ, that makes us qualified. That makes us qualified. Uh, there are a lot of people, a lot of churches that are lost today that simply go with uh, the seniority. And Does seniority matter? Yeah, it does in certain situations. But we're talking about here how to work for the church properly, how to serve the church properly. And you had to be qualified, and there were qualifications that had to be met. And that's why it's, it's mind-blowing to me that when Rock Harbor, over the years, has had qualifications, it has absolutely blown people away. I don't understand why we don't just put an ad in the paper and hire somebody. <laughs> Think about it. Uh-huh. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I'm not hiring somebody that I don't know what their qualifications are, and I can't find them out in an interview process. I need to know you, and I need to have been around you. I need to see how you operate. And then we can talk about positions and work in the church and things of that nature, but you're going to have to be qualified. People pull their hair out today over qualifications. There should be no problem with qualifications at all if we are, if we are doing our best to meet them. A deacon should be self-controlled in personal behavior and in spiritual practice. Faithfulness will be evident in matters of family and the Christian faith. What? Faithfulness in family matters? Really? Faithful to your own family. Meaning being a mom being a dad. Being a husband and being a wife. And being found blameless in each one of those positions. Why does why that, that blow people away? Why is that such a big deal? because the, the church is about family right it's kind of what we're about so so if you're kind of if you're a if you're a if you're a, if you're a lousy parent and you're a, a lousy husband or a lousy wife but you want to hold a position in the church let, let me just say it right up front that doesn't make any sense you need to work at being a better husband a better wife then we'll talk about that later does that does that make sense to everybody can we get some amens? Amen. That's true
3: stuff. That's real. Go ahead. Go ahead. When, when you're younger and you see this men that are supposed to be the deacons of the church, mm-hmm. uh, outside of the church, it scares you. You mm-hmm. don't want to go. We were, When we were little, we went to church, at a um, little church, and my uncle was a deacon. But when we went to their house, he was mean to his kids, he was mean to his wife, he smoked, you, you mm-hmm. don't, you're like, how can you... Ba- yeah, how do you imbalance them, right? Be, and be, you're scared to go back to church because if he's supposed to be like that, mm-hmm. why is
0: he like that at home? Right. So let's use that example, and we'll just take that, and and you don't have to go any deeper than that, but I mean, I want to I want to use that, is you can see how being unqualified can damage the face of the church. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It damages it. Man, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I need more time. Mm. We're out of time, I'm sorry. It can damage the church. It, re- it really can. And, and the way somebody lives outside of the church, and this is why Pastor and I have talked about this many times, why it is so important if you're going to hold the position in Rock Harbor Church that you live up to the expectations and to the requirements because it gives a bad name. Not just for Rock Harbor. Look, let's, let's get down to it. Not just for Rock Harbor, but for Christ. Amen. Who, who is taking the really the brunt and the blow of the whole thing? Because where what position is he? He's the head. So he's going to have to take it uh, worse than you are. I'm out of time. This has been some really good input. I appreciate everybody's input. This is good conversations. We'll get back to it at another time. Um, now, remember, I told you. I told you all, if you have any questions, feel free. I don't have time to answer questions right now. But if you have any questions after the service, you want to ask about them, that's fine. If you disagree with something... Approach me with it. Don't get bitter over it. Let's talk about it. Love you guys, thanks.